Welcome to the UX Growth Podcast, your go-to source for expert insights and actual advice on all things UX design. If you're enjoying the show, I would love for you to subscribe and never miss an episode on your podcasting platform. And don't forget to sign up for our UX Growth Insider newsletter, where you will get exclusive access to even more resources, tips, and insights that help you take your UX design skills to the next level. Be sure to check out our website at the uxgrowth.com, where you can find show notes and links to our social media channels. And last but not least, be sure to follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn for even more UX design goodness. All links are found in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and let's grow together. Hi, this is the UX Growth Podcast, a podcast that helps people learn and grow in the UX design industry. I'm your host, Nick Mann. I'm here with the start of season two of Jeremy Williams, senior user experience researcher at Smartsheet. It's great to hear from you, Jeremy. Yeah, it's great great to be here. Nice to, uh, yeah, glad you kind of, glad you reached out and uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So let's begin by tell us about your history of how you got into this user experience of research. Oh man, that is a <laughs> that is a long and winding tale. Um, you know, probably unlike a lot of people that you talk to, you know, I didn't start out, I didn't graduate high school and go straight to college like a lot of people did. Um uh, I have a military background. I was in mm-hmm. the I was in the Navy for six years. I was a combat medic. Um, I did that um, in 2003. I got out after I came back from Iraq. Um, from there, um, I got a job working at the VA hospital. Originally, well, originally I'm I'm from Georgia, so let's mm-hmm. just get that out of the way. So my home, so my home state, I'm. I live in the greater Seattle area now, but my home, I'm, my home state is Georgia. I uh, grew up in a small town in Georgia, um, you know, outside of Atlanta, probably about 45 minutes outside of Atlanta. And uh, from there, joined the Navy and from the Navy, um, got a job working at the VA hospital, um, decided to use my GI Bill and go back to school. Um, I thought I wanted to be an engineer. Um, and so I studied computer engineering first um, started out at community college. Um, From there, moved on to the University of Washington, Tacoma. And I hated every single minute of it. Um, It was (laughs) awful. Um, It was, it was so bad. Like I I was was so terrible at writing code. Um, I could figure it out to save my life. You know, the math and science part was, you know, cool, but the, like just the, I felt like I was out of place. Um, mm-hmm. I just wasn't, yeah, you know, like I don't know. If you, yeah, that and just like if you if you're in like if for anyone who's ever done like a, a, a engineering type degree or something like that, like, you know, computer science and engineers like they're different, you know what I mean? Whereas like, you know, at the time I was single and, um, you know, I wanted to be out, you know, in the bars, you know, hanging out they all they wanted to do was play video games we were just we were just different people you know what i mean not saying that anyone was you know better or worse they're just different and but i felt like i was out of place because there were more of them than they were of me um by the end of 
you know, by the time I got around to my senior year, um, I decided to drop the computer engineering program. My GPA had fell off a cliff. I would have failed out anyway if I kept with it. Um, but I needed to graduate. So I had like, I'd been there long enough. I had enough credits that needed to graduate. So I just ended up graduating with an interdisciplinary arts and sciences degree. But and during that time, while I was trying to find, you know, figure out like what my next move was going to be, um, I just kind of serendipitously kind of found UX. And, um, you know, once I, you know, found it and it found me and I figured out what it was, it was like the, the clouds in the sky opened up and the sun started shining. I was like, what is this? You know what I mean? Why haven't I been doing this? Why did I not know about this? Um, so at that moment, like I was just like, boom, full speed ahead. This is what I'm going to do. Um, and uh, try to do like a self-taught thing for a bit. That didn't work. Um, so I decided to go to grad school. Um, but instead of going to the University of Washington's, you know, highly touted HCDE program, um, I decided to go to Kent State. Um, you know, I was I was an older student. Um, I needed to work and feed myself. So I thought that um, I I didn't want to like just, you know, interrupt my life to go back to school and just, you know, because I had a, and also I had a child that I had to feed as well. So I not only had to feed my child, myself, but I had to feed my child. Mm -hmm. And I thought doing a remote program would be the best for me. But what I figured out while I was in that program is that like the HCDE program, you know, has a lot of adjunct professors. All of those adjunct professors work in the industry. There's this built-in network that you have by going to that program, which is why a lot of those students have jobs before they even graduate. Wow. Um, and so um, knowing that and figuring that out, I was like, holy shit, um, what am I going to do now? I'm like a year into this program. Um, so what I had to do was like, I just went to everything in the greater Seattle area that had the letters UX attached to it. Um, I went to any tech event at any tech company to kind of get my face out there. I schmoozed and schmoozed and schmoozed for I don't know how long until um, one night there was this party at Zillow by this um, nonprofit um that you know looks at trying to get you know minorities in in tech and they would have these parties at different tech companies and they would be like recruited there and stuff but i ended up meeting the vp of hr there and uh me and her struck up a conversation um and she was like hey you should meet hernan and hernan just happened to be the vp of design at zillow at the time and i think she like drug me around by my arm at this party like you know, trying to find this guy named Hernan. Um, and um, yeah, make a long story short, she was like, okay, give me your information. Um, her assistant sent me an email that set up a meeting with this guy named Hernan. I met with this guy named Hernan. Um, we talked, he asked me what my, you know, what I wanted to do, what my goals were. And then uh, I was like, well, hey, you know, I'm coming up on my last semester of school. Uh, I need like a graduate, a grad project. He was like, well, you could probably work with us on something. And so that was back in like September, October. 
December rolls around, I reach back out to him by email. He was like, oh, so I'm sorry, I forgot. Let me kind of link you up with one of my uh, researchers and um, went back to Zillow, talked to one of the researchers. They were like, yeah, we got plenty of work for you to do. You could do this, you know. And uh, he was like, I'm doing some interviews on Friday. You want to come observe? And I was like, cool. Yeah, that'd be great. Went back, observed the interviews. He was like, yeah, man, just come in Monday morning, man, and we'll start from there. And so for like two weeks straight, they were like sneaking me in the building. Like I would just show up and I would say, <laughs> I'm here to see like, um, I'm here to see, um, you know, at the time it was a guy named Adam. I'm like, I'm here to see Adam. And they would, Adam would come down and he would get me and I'd go upstairs and, you know, I would, you know, work on some stuff. Like they had my own like desk and everything. Weird. It just wasn't weird. It was cool. I didn't know any better. You know what I mean? I thought that, well, this is just what happens. And so, but I couldn't move around the building. Like I would always have to have someone like, can you like get me into this place and that place? And, um, or I would just have to stay on the same floor. Mm-hmm. And so I guess they went to HR and HR was like, to, to, so I could get a badge and HR was like, yo, we don't have like randos like off the street, like, you know, coming here working. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so I guess they told them I was in school and um yeah they offered me a paid internship. Wow. And that's how <laughs> and that's how it all got started, man. So uh yeah, this one I showed up one Friday morning and um you know Adam came downstairs and um he was like, Hey, hold on a second, I want you to meet somebody. And I was like, All right, cool. And, um, you know, we're standing there hanging out. And um, I don't know if, you, if you've ever been to, you know, to the, to the Zillow offices. They have this like beautiful view of L.A. Bay. And we're just standing there looking out and talking. And this young lady walks up and she says, hi, you know, my name is such and such. And she was like, um, you know, um, we would like to offer you uh, a paid internship. And, yeah, that's, yeah. And everything just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, and that's such a really crazy start. How we, uh, uh, how people can get into this industry, just because there's just so many different ways. It's a, you know, it's yeah. not always the most traditional. It's not always the most traditional, and and that's why. But I also that's you know I like to tell people my story because like my story is so kind of unconventional, and and you know people are like wow that's crazy. You know what I mean? I thought you had to you know, do this or do that or, you know what I mean? And it's like, nah, man, you just gotta, you know, sometimes, you know, I know it's a little bit more difficult now with, you know, especially after COVID and a lot of things being remote, but at that time, you know, you, it, I mean, it's still hard to get a job, you know what I mean? But, oh yeah, it is, Um, it, you know, but um, it's, uh, you know, I, I felt like I, I needed to hustle. And I did, you know what I mean? And I hustled and I hustled and I hustled and I talked to people and I grinned in a lot of faces, man. And, you know, it paid off eventually, but, you know, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of my winding tale of how I got to where I am right now. Yeah, no, it's always, it's always so fun to learn because, you know, a lot, a lot of people in the UX industry come from so many different backgrounds yeah, they it's really do. incredible. They do. Yeah, they do definitely. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 
So you are a UX researcher. I am. I am. Yeah. So I'm just curious to know, uh, what would you say is the difference between that and a traditional UX designer role? Um, I think... For the difference between a UX, the difference is as 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 researchers, we're investigating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So what we're trying to do as researchers is think about you. We are interesting. If we're talking about like law enforcement, we'll be prosecutors, right? What mm-hmm. we're trying to do is trying to get. We're trying to gather all the evidence, all the pieces from all over the place to build a case. And that's that's in and so that's what we're doing. We're building cases for things like you know, and what and then what um, I think what the, the designer's job is to go. Okay, they built this case. Now we're going to go in the in the in the designer is more like the the, the trial lawyer. We're going to go try this case, and we're going to execute on all this evidence that has been gathered. And so I, I think that's you know. Uh, I don't know if that analogy makes sense at all, but um, <laughs> I <think it's> close. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But um, I, I think, you know, that's, that's what I see our job is as researchers. Like we gather, we gather all the evidence. We are trying to gather, gather, gather evidence to make either a case for something or a case against something. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that's what I do. I, you know, I design experiments um, to kind of either prove something is should happen or prove something shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that's how I make my living. Ah, I know this is, that's mm. always uh, the research has always been so fascinating for me because I come from a graphic designer background. So it's like mm-hmm. there's all like wireframing and prototyping. Like that easily comes naturally. And when it comes to like user research, like, ooh, this is like completely new for me when I was learning for the process. Yeah. In a way, I kind yeah. of like had that going in my back of my mind for like why I chose my design. Like, why did I chose this color? Why did I chose this font? Like a lot of it is like mm-hmm. I, I felt like there was a little bit of a research background regarding that for my choices because I didn't want to say, oh, because I liked it. Because everyone knows mm-hmm. in any kind of like a graph design uh, situation that every design must have a purpose for your choice. So in a way that was yeah. tied into that user research. Yeah, I think what's this name? I think like this um really kind of famous designer guy, I forget it was John Maida, I think. And he he said that art poses questions, but design is the rendering of intent, right? Mm-hmm. And so um so yeah, but I think, you know, the colors and and all this other when you know, when it comes to the I think when people have a very narrow view of what design is, because when people think of design, they think of, that's what they think of, you know, colors and, you know, fonts and things of that nature. But it's a little more, it's, it's a, it's, it's a lot deeper than that. It's um, because when it comes to those colors and those fonts and all those things, there are psychological principles that goes behind that to kind of 
give you an idea of what will and what won't work and the reasons why they won't work based on these psychological principles that that have been studied for you know 120 years um so so yeah it's yeah a lot of people think it's just about throwing you know splashing some things on a page and like saying like oh you're creative and talented you know what i mean because but no it's it's a lot more than that it's you know i've worked with some really great designers and um they're very thoughtful about what they do. Um, they are very empathetic when it comes to the user. They really take the user research to heart and they understand, dig into it and try to understand mm -hmm. it. Um, so, so yeah, it's a lot, you know, it goes a lot deeper than just kind of throwing stuff on the, you know, the, you know, the screen is the, is the canvas of the 21st century, but, you know, yeah. it, it goes a lot deeper than that. Mm hmm. Yeah. So when you're applying your research, what are some of your favorite techniques that you do on, um, I would say, the most of your basis of your work? Um, favorite technique? I'm not sure if there's like a favorite. I mean, I, I enjoy all of them because like they all kind of you're in with all of them, you're you're getting to know something and what are your and what you start to do regardless of what methodology you're you're using mm -hmm. for me and i don't know about other researchers and how they work and what their workflow is but what i'm trying to do regardless of what methodology i'm using there's always a pattern that starts to show itself and that's what you're looking for is these patterns that start to present themselves mm -hmm. as you go through as you do the research um i would say i'm best at probably doing user interviews um and it's funny because how i kind of got you know good at doing that was because when i was in the military i um i worked as a base emt and um like the weirdest thing man was like you know um we only had like a clinic on the base it was a small base and um if someone had any kind of medical type emergency we would have to take them to the local hospital out in in town but sometimes they would it would they would need to go to the hospital but but it wouldn't necessarily be emergent and you know mm -hmm. you would have someone in the and you would have someone in the back of the ambulance with you that you don't know you've never met this person in your life and you're sitting back there with them for like 20 25 minutes on this ride to the hospital like, what the hell do you talk about you know and so um, <laughs> over time, man, I just had, I, I figured out, you know, doing that job that, you know, because like the first few times I did it, like I would just sit back there in the ambulance and just kind of stare at people and they would stare back at me. It would just be awkward and weird. But over time, mm -hmm. I learned how to make small, I wouldn't learn, I learned how to make small talk and kind of make people feel comfortable. You know, um, mm -hmm. when you're, doing any type of experiment when you're observing people whether you're listening to them or you're observing observing their actions and movement it's an unnatural thing especially when somebody knows you're there and you're watching them and so putting people at ease and putting people at ease give, gives them the license to act a bit more natural than they maybe would in a in a situation like that so I just kind of got good at like putting people at ease in really, you know, weird situations. And 
you know, having someone in user research, you know what I mean? It's, um, it's a weird situation. It's not, it's unnatural. So, you know what I mean? And just making people feel comfortable. And so you get the best data back from that person that you can possibly get. Yeah, I know. It's like we need to, it's like we're always empathic for the the user, but we also need to do that right when we're talking to them in a user interview too. Yeah. And that's what I think a lot of people like to just hop right into asking them interview questions. And I'm like, I don't, (laughs) yeah. And I I don't like doing that. The first thing I like to always do is just like, regardless of whatever it is, you know what I mean? Um, Tell me about yourself people are all experts on themselves. They're experts on their experience and whatever there is, but they're definitely experts on themselves. And, you know, once you get someone kind of talking about themselves and their life and their job and what it is that they do, and um, that that loosens them up a little bit, you know what I mean? So um, it's, so I always mm-hmm. just like to ask people about themselves regardless Um and not just, you know, not sometimes not just about their work, but even like, you know, their family, like, where you know, where do you live? Um, I live in some place in Wisconsin. Tell me about that. You know what I mean? What is that like? I've never been there before. You know, so just kind of really. Um, and also, um, you know, letting people know that you're really interested in what they're talking about. So like they need to know that up front that I'm really interested in what you're talking about. I'm really interested in you. I'm really interested in your experience. Um, so, you know, I think that, that priming your participant really helps in the long run. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. And I know so just a lot of great results when I do that, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is your favorite uh, tools that you use for your job? Oh man, <laughs> you know that that um that varies from company to company. I've worked at companies where they have these really comprehensive UX research labs where they have like cameras in the ceiling and um, sound booths, and like you have people, um, you know, you're behind like the the. the the mirror glass thing where you can see them and they can't see you um, to where you're just kind of bringing people in, running down to the receptionist, grabbing your participant, bringing them up and sitting them in a conference room to doing, you know, remote research, whether you're using, you know, whether I'm using user Zoom or user testing or Zoom, you know what I mean? Or yeah. what, mm-hmm. you know, something like, you know, whatever, you know, conference or, you know, calling, you know, you know um, thing that, you know, you whatever your company uses. Um, so I think I'm agnostic when it comes to tools. I know that's, it's a little bit different for designers because, you know, designers have their thing, you know what I mean, that they like to use. I think, you know, now the, the Oh, the cool thing that all the designers are using right now is Figma. Um, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, like pretty much everyone yeah. uses Figma. Yeah, everyone uses Figma. I think it. You know, I remember back in the day when everybody was using Sketch. You know, and and that was all the rage. And um, yeah, so I know it's a little bit different for designers. I think on the research side, it's just 
Um, it depends on what you're doing. Um, you know, when it comes to remote research, um, you know, I, I think I, 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 I like user testing because I've, I've used that, um, a lot. Um, uh, when it comes to doing, um, you know, maybe some statistical analysis or something like that, maybe, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you're doing like large in surveys or something like that, maybe doing some stuff in, a lot of it depends on how much time you have to, but like, if you don't want to use the spreadsheet, maybe using Python or R in Jupyter Notebooks or RStudio. Um, yeah, it just it depends on what it is. I, I mean, I think yeah, mm -hmm. I'm yeah, I'm too, I'm I'm tool agnostic. Like I, I'm gonna use whatever <laughs> I need to get the whatever's gonna help me optimize my analysis. The, yeah, I think, I make think that's it a good the most of the, Yeah, you know. So whether it's I don't you know whether it's spreadsheet, Google Doc, um, I don't care. Just, I know, yeah. I know. So it's funny how there's some people, uh, some um, in the UX field that feel like they shouldn't be using pen and paper when there's a really strong argument for like a lot of times you should begin with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yes, I think I, I've, I've been, you know, on some interviews when designers were interviewing and a lot of designers that didn't get hired, it was like, you know, one of the things that some of the designers will say, like, they didn't show any sketches. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, you know, where did they, you know, why did, why are they starting in, you know, at the time, of, you know, the sketch or whatever, you know, they didn't, they didn't show any, you know, sketching, uh, like pen and paper or whatever. Um, for research, um, it's hard for me. I can't take notes and do an interview. Like I can't, I'm not that great at multitasking. Mm. Um, I don't like typing notes while I'm doing, because I actually like to be attentive to the participant. Um, thankfully now um, we have, um, we have a lot of great software that does really great. Um, what is that called? Like not dictation, but is it dictation? Where you? I forget. But yeah, they you know yeah, you oh, can, like documentation. Yeah, document not documentation, but where like the video, and then it'll have like all the the oh, actual the, like the, text. actual dialogue. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. dialogue or the video. Yeah. The, so dictation. so there yeah so there's a. So, I mean, there's a lot of great software out there that does that. Um, so I use that very heavily um, for my, my work. So at this, so at Smartsheet, we use this tool called um, Enjoy HQ, which is it's like a, it's it's this it's a research repository, but it also has these tools built in that you can do data analysis with, and so. I use that because at another company I use, it's very similar to another piece of software that I use called Dovetail. They are very, very similar. 
uh, in what they do, but like you can upload video clips. It does all the stuff, and then like you can just like highlight a section of text, and you can actually make clip a video from that, and so it makes things kind of really seamless and easy for me now. But back back before that, um, it was just really just listening to videos, like, you know, listening, watching them, stopping them, you know what I mean, rewinding them, um, you know, making, you know, going into um, iMovie, making clips. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so, you know, doing doing all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Jeremy, if you had to start your career over, what would you do? Um, I think the only thing that I would do differently is, um, and not, this is, this, this doesn't have anything to do with Kent State not being a good program, but I would just do a different grad program. I would do the, I would, I would do the, even though the, the HEDE program was like double the cost. And I think like trying to find a, you know, job and like, oh, you know, just doing all those things, like it would have been easier. I mm -hmm. think, I don't know. I don't know. There's not much I would do different. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. I think my path to get to where I am right now made me the researcher that I am now. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I don't know if I'd change it. I don't know. If I, I mean, maybe going to a, I don't know if going to a different school would have helped anything at all, actually. I don't think so. I don't think I'd do anything yeah. different. I, I think that's a, a really good mindset to have, too, because of, you know, like, there's real no reason for us to have regrets. It's more all learning lessons. Yeah, learn, yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of lessons that I've learned along the way. You know what I mean? Everyone makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, everyone is gonna fall and have you know things happen that are that they you know they facilitated themselves or things that there was out of con their control. But it's you know how do you deal with it? You know, um, and I kind of. You know, military taught me that. So mm -hmm. a lot of things that I got from the military that I think you can't, it's hard to, you don't see in a lot of people who didn't have that experience, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it kind of leads to like one of my favorite quotes. I believe it was by Oscar Wilde, where it's like, to 10% of life is what happens and 90% of life is how we we react to it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you can't, you know, you can't walk around like feeling, you know, bad or, you know, because you did, you know, some something didn't happen that you thought it should have happened or, you know, and beating yourself up because you made a mistake or, you know, you just got to like keep like learn from that situation and, and, and move on and use that experience to kind of help you like everything that I've done, like in UX up to this point now is like, I've learned like, you know, 
you know, I remember when I was a, you know, an intern, like my doing my first like presentation, it sucked. It was awful. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But I learned, you know what I mean? I learned from that situation. And then the, and the next one I did, um, it was, it's a lot better. And the one that I did after that was a lot better. So you just learn um, over time, you get better. And um, it's up to employers, I think, to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. That learning process is, I think it's up to, you know, hiring managers to understand that, you know, people aren't going to always be on their game all the time. People make mistakes. It's mm-hmm. okay. We're all human. Nobody. Yeah, we're all human, you know. You know, and coming from the military and being a combat medic where I actually seen people die and had to mm. take care of dying people, you know, nobody's dying. You know what I mean? In tech, nobody's dying. You know mm. what I mean? Like nothing nothing we nothing we do is life or death. So let's all, you know, take some deep breaths. Um mm. and, and 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 you know, calm down and then let's figure out how to move forward. But um, you know, so yeah, it's it's hard to get people to, you know, see that sometimes because they do think, you know, some of this stuff is life or death. And it's not, you know, yeah. it's, it's an app. It's a web app. It's a, it's a thing. It's a product. It's a service. It's not life and death. You know, I mean, I will say it, it's millions of millions and millions of dollars, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but, but nobody's, but nobody's, nobody's going to die. No. So, yeah. yeah. So, what advice would you have for someone who wants to get into the research field? That's a really good question, and a lot of people ask that question in all types of forums and you know online and stuff. Oh, like yeah, that. absolutely. I've I've had my um, fair share of research <laughs> on that aspect too. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> You know, what? And and here's the thing: like, there are so many people who come into UX research from so many different avenues. You got people who come who come into research from marketing. You got some people who come in from, um, you know, hardcore sciences, sociology, anthropology backgrounds. Um, you know, you have people who come in from human human factors. Um, I know, like know, lawyers so and nurses. Yeah, you know, there's so there's a lot of people coming in from so many different angles. Um, it's hard to say, like, you need to do this thing. Um, I think here's what I tell people, you know, is like, if you want to be a researcher or a designer, like, start, the first thing you need to do is just get in that mindset and start acting like that. Like, start start calling yourself, I'm a designer. Mm-hmm. Like when somebody asks you like what it is that you do, like to, I'm a designer, I'm a UX designer. Like get your get yourself in the habit of 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 manifesting that to the universe, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, just like you know, um, in med school, when students go to med school, even before they're done with med school, like they like the day they get on campus, like to get to med school, they start calling them doctor so and so, right? Mm-hmm. So they get that, like you know. Um, so they they feel that they feel you know the the, the weight of being an actor. I'm a doctor. Um, yeah, 
It's like you don't hear a aspiring doctor, you know, you don't hear that, you know? No, you don't hear that. Like, I'm doctor, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, you know, so-and-so. Um, so I, I think that's the first thing is, like, really, like, telling yourself, like, I'm a UX researcher. I'm a UX designer. And, you know, really manifesting that to, to the universe. I think the next thing is, like, It's not so much now because there's so much remote work out there, but I think back when I first started, like it was, you know, you really have to think about like your geography, where you are um, in relation to, um, you know, if you're in a tech hub like Seattle or the Bay or New York or Austin, um, you the barrier to entry is a little bit higher than if you are, if you're somewhere in the middle of the country. Um, so there's that. Um, I, I don't like it. I don't like the fact that it is this way, but I think having a graduate, a master's degree or PhD for research is it's kind of sort of a must unless mm -hmm. like un unless like you know I knew some people I knew I worked with you know some um some people when I worked at Google they you know they had just you know they graduated from the ATD program but they'd gotten their they their bachelors but they just they they got these this job this contract job at Google, which set them on their path. Like they didn't have to, you know, they had experience. So, um, but I think like a lot of research jobs ask, they, they, they ask for a, a, a master's degree now. Um, I, I hate that it's that way. Um, I, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. I would say now, not so much when I first started now get good with math um get good with statistics mm. get good with some maybe either really learn how to get into Google Sheets or Excel and and learn how to do some statistical analysis um t-tests and ovas all of those things that you need to do to like carry out, you know, quant research, um, that'll set you apart. Um, mm. having that type of experience. Um, because a lot of us researchers don't. Um yeah. I mean research is such just a, a research is such a finicky thing, man. You know what I mean? It's just it depends on your experience and how well you sell yourself as a researcher. Mm -hmm. that's the that's the big thing how well can you sell yourself as a researcher regardless of where you regardless of what background you came from but how well can you sell yourself as a user experience researcher and how can you turn the experience that you do have into the experience that the company that you're applying for needs yeah yeah i think that's a good point yeah, you know, you know. And so, I mean, there's a lot of different factors. 
different companies look for different things. Um, like, you know, Google and Facebook, they're more apt to hire um, people with PhDs for research. Um, some companies are like, hell no, I don't want a, I don't want someone with a PhD because the type of research that, you know, people do from academia is a lot different than doing corporate research, you know, doing your mm -hmm. research in, in a corporate setting, you know. Um, you know, in a corporate setting, you take a lot of liberties when it comes to research. You know what I mean? It doesn't have yeah. to be as rigorous. You don't have to write academic papers. It doesn't, you don't, your, your research is going to be peer reviewed. You know what I mean? So those mm -hmm. are things that you don't have to think about when you're doing research in a corporate setting. So, um, so yeah, it's just, it depends on what the company is looking for. It depends on what company you're applying to. And you have to do your research on what that is, you know. So it's, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a, there's no formula to get, in, and I mean, you know this from, you know, the design as well. There's no formula for, you know, you know. Yeah, there's no one size fits uh, all for every session. No one size, yeah. Yeah, you know, and hiring manager, you know, companies are different. And within that, you know what I mean? That team that you might be interviewing for is different. And then within that, that hiring manager might be, you know, hiring managers. So it just, you know, it all depends. I mean, I know that's the standard answer for UX people. Is it depends, but it yeah. depends. It really does. <laughs> I know. I feel like we'll be really doing a disservice to anyone if we try to pretend it's not. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, you know, you, I would like to be able to tell someone like, all right, you're going to do this. And then after that, you're going to do this. Like there was some sort of algorithm, you know what I mean? A recipe to like, you could always, you know, you're always going to get higher, but there, there is, there's too many variables in, in, in that equation that you can't account for. You can't always account for, you know? And so, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as we're drawing close to this episode, is there anything that people need to know about you, like your social media that you would like to share or anything to promote? It's completely optional um, and up to you. Oh, no, nah, man. I mean, if you um, hit me up on LinkedIn, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't have any website or anything like that. Maybe I should get one. I don't know. But yeah, hit me up on LinkedIn. Don't have, you know, um, I'm always down to, uh, help whomever, whenever, and however I can. Um, you know, it's the, uh, I had, without the help of people, I couldn't have gotten to where I am right now. So it is, it is, that is, I have to pay that back. Yeah. And so, um, so please don't hesitate to hit me up, ask me questions. If there's anything that I can do to help you um, at the job you're at, um, help you try to get a job or want to help you make a transition from another career in the UX, there's any wisdom that I can impart upon anyone. Yeah. Don't hesitate to hit me up on LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm I'm the same way with that because I would definitely would not be where I am today if it wasn't for the initial people that I reached out. 
And it's really yeah. incredible. How many great people who will be willing to help you if you just, you know, make the first uh, step towards it. So many people think like yes. we're, we're being a bothersome or, you know, like no. we're, not, we're not important enough for them. Yeah, the, the UX community is such, has been such a, a blessing for me. Um, you know, I, I you know, and it, it's, People are people are very, and I think as UX people, that's just come for us to do our jobs effectively. I think that comes naturally um, mm -hmm. because we are. I mean, you know, empathy is our job, right? So yeah. that's that's you know, it's what we do. So I think, yeah. So I think it just that comes naturally. So yeah, if there's someone that I mean, not even just me. I mean, anyone in the field that you look up to. Um, Please, don't shoot them a message man you know you never know you know um you really never know i mean i've i've had people you know that like i'm like you know like some people who are like really kind of i guess i don't know ux famous it's weird to say that but like yeah i know I the, the influencers that. like yeah influencers um in our field like i i've reached out to some people and They've been really gracious and, and hit me back, whether it was on LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, I had someone try to, you know, actually like um she uh she actually referred me to a job, you know what I mean? So like don't yeah, yeah just don't really yeah, don't hesitate. Yeah, it is it really so the community is great. Don't hesitate to reach out to someone that you find um interesting and you think that you would want to learn more from that person. Yeah, I can completely agree with them because I shoot them an email of like to be on my podcast and they're like, yeah, sure. What what time? I'm like, wow, yeah. really? I thought I thought like I was really got to sell to them because they're, they look like they're so yeah. busy all the time, you know, doing such yeah. great things. But I'm like, nah, man, they'll they'll find time for you, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, know. But, you know, know them. They're, they're really nice people. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, don't, yeah, don't be shy. That's my my advice. Don't be shy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You'll find Jeremy's a LinkedIn a, a link found in the show notes, so you can easily check him out and be able to reach out if you have any questions. Yeah. Yes. Any closing words you like our audience to know about Jeremy? Um. I don't know. Not really. I'm. Yeah. I'm just like. Keep on like every like just keep on pushing. You know what I mean? Like I think. Um, be better the next day than you were the day before. You know what I mean? And whatever that is, if that's your job, um, if that's being a husband, if that's being a father, you know, if that's, you know, if you play basketball, you know, no, shoot darts, pool, like, just try to be better. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, pick up a new skill. You know what I mean? Learn something new. Um, if you're a designer or a researcher, maybe you know dabble dabble in project management because you don't know anything about that and you want to learn more. So yeah, just you know, keep making yourself better. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a lot of it what it comes down to is like don't live every day the exact same way and expect to get anywhere yeah. from there. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. So thank you so much, Jeremy, for being here.
Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate it. This was good. It's fun. Yeah. Please do support our guests. Until then, you just listened to the UX Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Mann. Thank you for listening.